1: I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to hear a piece about advocating for change and how using a personal story to illustrate a cause can really motivate others to see the need. On this podcast, in the Wildfire Magazine, in Wildfire Workshops, basically everywhere, I talk about the important role writing can play in healing. Writing our stories allows us to step beside the trauma and take on the role of observer or narrator. This helps us rewire our experience. We get to own the story in a new way and even write a new ending. But there is another aspect to the healing that telling our stories can have. It is when we find our voice and use that voice to motivate change in a system that is broken. And we use our stories, our own vulnerability to build bridges, to build empathy, to put a human face behind statistics. And that is exactly what my guest today has done. My guest today is Ricky Fairley. Ricky's personal purpose, passion, mission, ministry, and blessing is to bring focus, attention, research, science, and action to eradicating Black breast cancer and supporting and coaching what she calls her breasties through their breast cancer experience. Ricky is an award-winning seasoned marketing veteran that has transformed her strategic acumen into breast cancer advocacy. She was diagnosed at 55 with stage 3A triple negative breast cancer and now serves on the board of the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation as well as the Center for Healthcare Innovation. She is a graduate of Dartmouth College and holds an MBA from Kellogg Graduate School of Management at Northwestern University. And last, but certainly not least, Ricky is the CEO and co-founder of Touch, the Black Breast Cancer Alliance. Welcome to the burn, Ricky.
0: Thank you for having me. So excited to be here. I love wildfire so much. It's so beautiful. Thanks. Thank you so much. I'm really excited you're here too. So let me tell
1: everyone, you are reading a piece that you wrote for our body issue earlier this year, 2022 body issue called When We Trial a Movement to Advance Breast Cancer. Science for Black Women. And after you read, we will chat. Those of you listening, stay tuned to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's discussion.
0: All right, Ricky, I'll let you take it away. Thank you so much. Okay, my piece is called, you just said it, When We Trial, A Movement to Advance Breast Cancer Science for Black Women. After a double mastectomy, six rounds of of standard-of-care chemotherapy, six weeks of radiation and reconstruction, I was told I was cancer-free. Almost exactly a year to the date of my initial diagnosis, a PET scan showed that my breast cancer had come back on my chest wall. My doctor told me that I was now metastatic and to get my affairs in order. I had two years to live, at most. This doctor had only seen two triple negative breast cancer patients before me. Both died within nine months. TMBC is an incredibly aggressive breast cancer subtype with a very high mortality rate few treatment options, and no drugs to prevent recurrence. Her minimal experience with triple negative breast cancer and lack of knowledge of black breast cancer led her to believe that there were no treatment options left for me. But I wasn't ready to die. My youngest daughter was still in college. I was the breadwinner for my family and the rainmaker for my company, and I felt the responsibility to give my daughter the education she deserved, no matter what. I did my own research and found the triple negative breast cancer foundation who recommended one of the very few oncologists at the time in the U S who understood TNBC. She put me on two experimental drugs that have now become standard of care treatments for TNBC. And today I'm a 10 year breast cancer survivor with no evidence of disease. I know that God left me here for a reason. In 2020, I co-founded Touch, the Black Breast Cancer Alliance. And I fight like a girl every day to make sure that other black women don't get stuck at that first doctor. There are more options for us that we advance the science enough that someday black breast cancer will be eradicated. I'm a miracle. I'm the exception, not the rule. Black women are 41% more likely to die of breast cancer than white women. Black women have a 39% higher recurrence rate than white women. Black women under 35 get breast cancer at two times the rate of white women and die at three times the rate, well before they would have that first mammogram. Black women under 50 die at double the rate of white women. Triple negative breast cancer affects black women at three times the rate of white women. But it's not just our mortality rates, our incidence rates, or our five-year survival statistics that set us apart. Black women are more likely to experience lymphedema during and after breast cancer treatment. And many of my Black breasties had their fingernails turn black during chemotherapy like mine did, even though that particular side effect isn't listed anywhere. Our bodies react differently to treatments all the time. The truth is, the clinical trials that set the standards of care for breast cancer treatment barely included Black bodies. Even now, only 3% of clinical trial participants are Black. Most Black breasties are never even talked to about clinical trials by their doctors. This is a matter of life and death for Black women. We need to participate in clinical trials, if not for ourselves, but for future generations of young Black breasties. For our daughters, for our aunts, for our sisters, for our mothers, for our friends. Young Black women shouldn't have to continue to rely on drugs that were not designed for them. Demanding that our bodies be included in clinical research isn't unfraught, though. I live in Annapolis, and growing up, I had friends whose parents wouldn't let them walk by Johns Hopkins Hospital, so they wouldn't get snatched up for experimentation. That wasn't terribly long ago. Even today, the shadow cast by what had been done to Black bodies in the name of research, the men and families of the Tuskegee Civilist Study, the legacy of Henrietta Lack, The countless forced hysterectomies and gynecological procedures performed on Black women is long. Our community will never forget these horrific truths. We can't change the past, but we will change the future. Research is now designed to protect patients. Researchers must follow strict rules to ensure clinical trials are safe for us, and participants' health is carefully monitored during a study. Federal organizations such as the Food and Drug Administration and the Office of Human Subjects Research Protections help enforce protections for participants. We can't let fear stop us from advancing the science for Black breast cancer and saving Black lives. We launched our When We Trial movement in January of 2022. Our goal is to meet Black women where they live, work, play, pray, and slay. Our outreach is focused on breasties, to make sure they are armed with the information they need to talk to and advise other Black Breasties about trials. All Black women should know about a trial before they need one. I don't have to tell you that the Breastie Club isn't one that you want to be in. But once you join, you're welcomed with unconditional love and unconditional trust. In this Breastie sisterhood, we owe it to each other to be informed about Black breast cancer and about clinical trials. One of my mottos is, Hashtag GSD, get shit done. And if we get it done together, imagine the difference we can make in breast cancer research. I do this work because of my three grandbabies. They are my purpose. The oldest is four. I have about 10 years before she gets boobs. I don't want her to ever think about breast cancer, to ever have to worry, to ever have to go through chemo or surgery, or even have to negotiate with God. Together with a group of 30 black breasties, we wrote the refrain of our When We Trial movement, a movement that belongs to all of us. It's become a mantra, a prayer. When we trial, we make a difference in breast cancer research. When we trial, we do it for our daughters. When we trial, we defy the odds. Mm.
1: When we trial, we defy the odds. Thank you so much, Ricky. That was really powerful and beautiful.
0: Thank you for letting me express myself.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, I really want to get into that with you. So we are going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we will dig into it hi friends there is now a wildfire book in the world it is a big beautiful compilation of my favorite essays from wildfire magazine spanning all the way back to our first ever issue in 2016 up to the summer of 2022 this book took years to create and is literally the resource i wish i had had when i was diagnosed with breast cancer This book is called Igniting the Fire Within, and it's made up of 50 essays that really dig into the experience of having breast cancer in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Every stage of breast cancer is represented from DCIS to stage four, from all sorts of walks of life from all around the world. Our writers go deep and get vulnerable to heal their own experiences and to let others like you know that you're not alone you will find yourself within these pages. Get Igniting the Fire Within, stories of healing, hope, and humor inside today's young breast cancer community on Amazon, in paperback, and for Kindle now. Curl up with it today.
0: Hello, my name is Carla Ross. And in 2015, at the age of 34, I was diagnosed with mixed invasive ductal carcinoma and lobular carcinoma, HER2-positive stage two breast cancer. I decided that I wasn't going to share my story because that was such a traumatic time in my life and I just wanted to forget about it. But Javacia Harris-Bowser of C. Jane Wright posted on her social media that Wildfire Magazine was looking for women to share their story to blaze a trail of hope and encouragement. And so I decided that I would be bold and share my story to encourage someone and appreciate my community because without my community of family, friends, coworkers, church members, I don't believe that I could have gotten through this. So I just want you to know that you're not alone and you too can fight the good fight of breast cancer. And I just wanna thank Wildfire Magazine, April and Monica for allowing us to share our story and encourage hope. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for the love, Carla. All right. Welcome back. Ricky, thank you again for your powerful writing. This merging of your personal story and your passion and, um, history. Really important information that we all need. Thank you for letting me write and share my story. Absolutely. All right, so let's get into it. It's been 10 years since your diagnosis, 10 years of learning to advocate for yourself. And what I want to ask you is when you began to open up about your own personal story, did that happen for you right away or is that something you learned along the way?
0: That happened for me right away. As soon as I identified the lump and my doctor found it on an annual checkup, had I been doing self-exams, I would have found it. It was like a little peanut under my left nipple. But as soon as I found it, I made everybody I know touch it. Anybody I encountered, my family, my friends, my work colleagues, I made everybody feel it because I wanted them to know what cancer felt like in case they ever encountered it with their family members or with themselves. And so I was out there anywhere talking to anybody, strangers saying, feel my lump, So, you know, what cancer feels like, uh,
1: That is so valuable. You know, I'm just, this wasn't one of my questions I was planning to ask you, but it's so interesting, this idea of what that lump actually feels like. You know, we're trained or we learn to do self breast exams, but, you know, I don't think any of us really know what we're trying to feel for until it's there, we finally feel it. So I love that you are educating, using your own body as an education tool. So the second part of that is the melding in of your passion, your purpose, and and the work that you do with touch? Will you tell us a little bit about touch, and then also again, I guess the same question: Has it always included your personal narrative, or was there a time when you kind of? Um, and I guess I'll I'll say I'll like dial this way back. I know with wildfire for a long time I didn't want to be. I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted it to be about the work, you know, and about everyone else's stories. And so it took me some time to fold my own story into the advocacy that I was doing behind Wildfire. So tell us a little about Touch and then tell us, like, if if your personal story has always been sewn into that work.
0: So I really founded Touch to focus on Black women. And, you know, we have so many advocacy groups in our breast cancer space doing really, really great work. But I didn't feel like enough attention was given to black breast cancer. And when I started looking at the data and and the first actual national study came out in about 2017, 2018, that identified that triple negative was really affecting black women in big numbers that we were getting at three times the rate. I said, why is that? You know, and then I started digging into the clinical trials for the drugs that we have as standard of care, and I found that guess what? There were no black women in the trials. And then all the data started to come out about you know we have a forty one percent higher mortality rate and thirty nine percent higher recurrence rate, and we get it younger. And I, a couple of years ago, I put all that data together in like what I would write like as a marketing PowerPoint, right? And when I put it together and started to present it to people, to pharma companies and different advocacy people. They're like, wow, no one had really painted the picture for black, of Black women and how it was affecting us. And so they were looking at random facts, but no one kind of looked at the, the big picture of like, oh, my gosh, what is going on here? And so that's why I started Touch because I wanted to figure out how we could change the game on the science. We need better science. We need better drugs. The drugs aren't working for us. And clearly my personal connection is that, that um, I should be dead. My doctor gave me two years to live. I was with, I I almost, I watched a friend die last night who had what I had at about the same age, actually a little younger. And I didn't die. I got these experimental drugs because I advocated for myself. I found another doctor. I fought for myself and I got better drugs and and they made me better. And so I said, everybody needs to do this. So I need to teach women how to do that you know, I sh- no one should be in a situation where your doctor says, I have nothing for you. You have to, you have to get, your, your, get your affairs in order. That should not happen. And so I, I felt this need to change how we think about it and how we Black women know about it and what, what they know about our disease and how they have to f- stand up for themselves and fight for themselves to get the care they deserve. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, So much good information in there. So I want to ask your advice for people who are listening, um, two things. One thing is if you have advice for how to get that second opinion, and I don't necessarily mean literally how to find the second opinion. I mean, emotionally, how to feel empowered to get the second opinion. And then secondly, any information you can give on how to find those trials, how to get that information.
0: Well, who wants to die, right? Who wants to be told you're going to die, right? And I think we have this whole, you know, fight like a girl and fight, fight, fight. And and you have to sort of have that inner strength to want to fight, to want to live. And it's not hard to find. I mean, I think who wants to die? So I think you have to take that energy, that spirit you have to live and say, okay, well, I've got to fight for myself by any means necessary. So what does that mean? That means, going to Dr. Google and finding something. It means going to support groups and finding something or finding out information or asking doctors that you can find. But I think you have to sort of have this, it's really just your will to live, your will to want to live that kind of inspires you to find other solutions. And, you know, this breasty thing is something that it's really hard to describe, right? It's a sisterhood that just connects us all. But we all have this fire in us. Even our metastatic systems, we have this fire in us that we're going to beat this thing. We're going to fix it. We're going to get rid of it. We're going to do whatever it takes to to make it go away. And that fire is what inspires us to do the work that we have to do to get the information we need to get the right doctors and the right care. And I think if you don't have that, I don't even know where that would come from, why you wouldn't have it, because you want to live. Who wants to die? And and who wants to be told you're going to die, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So when we built, when we trial, you know, we had, there's this one source of clinical trials called clinicaltrials.gov. And it's, it's really the sort of national website to find trials, but it's trials from everywhere, all over the world. And going to that website is like going into hell with your hands tied behind your back blindfold. It's so hard to navigate and so cra- crazy. So we tried to make it easy for breasties. So on our whenwetrial.org, we actually we have, we have a page where we have portals into specifically into breast cancer trials. So we have a partnership with breastcancertrials.org, with the MBC Alliance for metastatic trials, and with the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation, they have a you know a portal where you can find metastatic trials and trials for early stage. So we try to take people into portals where they can only find trials about, you know, breast cancer trials. And not all of them are drug-specific. Some of them are behavioral. Like I'm in a trial right now to, to evaluate the impact of stress on survivorship. So we try to make it easy and, and everything is right on our website, whenwetrial.org.
1: Oh, I love that. We'll definitely link to that. And I'll just say from my own personal experience, I participated in a trial from UC San Diego on long-term fertility effects after breast cancer mm-hmm. treatment. And it did feel really good to be contributing to that body of knowledge so that maybe someone else's experience of breast cancer could be better. So I personally really appreciate what you're doing. Even if someone feels like those trials aren't necessarily going to change their own outcome, it's really important that we build up this knowledge.
0: Yeah, you know, we also partner with the Wisdom Study, and um, they're doing incredible work, but they basically, it's a trial for all women who haven't had breast cancer, who hopefully will never get it, to minimize your risks or understand your risk of getting breast cancer. It's a great trial, wisdomstudy.org, and everybody should participate in that trial. Oh, that's
1: great to know. I didn't know about that one. Thank you for that. We'll link yeah. to that as well. Um, yeah. So our time is starting to draw To a close, but I want to ask you, I love asking other entrepreneurs this, other people who are founding businesses and foundations that are changing the landscape of breast cancer. I love to ask them their advice for the next person who wants to start some kind of an organization or movement or resource that can help others, you know, our breasties in this environment. Do you have any advice now looking back on starting all of this? And I know it's a labor of love and probably a lot of blood, sweat and tears for you. That's what wildfire is for me. But I wonder if you have any advice or maybe the advice you'd give to
0: to Ricky back then. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur. Isn't that crazy? Even when I worked in corporate America, I worked at Coke. I worked in big companies. And in in those circumstances, I was an intrapreneur inside the company. Mm -hmm. But I had my own business before I started Touch, a marketing business. And and the way I think about it, this is something I learned a while ago, that if you think about um, when somebody's going to make a decision about you, right, you're not going to be in the room, whether you're going to get the job, whether you're going to get the promotion, whether you're going to get the, the funding to start a business, you're not going to be in the room. So think about what are the three words you want people to think about you when you're not in the room to defend yourself? What are those three words that, that you want sort of your, your just do it words, right? What are the words that you want people to think about you? And those are the words you try to live. And if you live those words, you can do anything because anybody will respond to you if you're sort of true to your values. And, and my words are probably integrity. Um, I get shit done <laughs> and I know my craft, right? And I'm going to always find a, a new way of doing things. And so. My two hashtags that I use every day are G S D, get shit done. Hope I can say that on your podcast. <laughs> and and um DIS. DIS do iconic shit. I love so both of those. When you think about oh, when you start a business, think about what are you gonna do differently? What's gonna set you apart from your competition if you have any? What's gonna make you bring something, bring a value that doesn't already exist? And that's what you need to know when you're an entrepreneur. hmm
1: Oh, I love that. I love that so much. And it ties in so well to your why, you know, everything we heard from your story. And then it just keeps that fire burning in your belly for all of the work.
0: We have so much work to do. You know, we have so much work to do. We have so many lives to save and so many people to educate. And we have to do it every day. Fight like a girl every day. You know, I work for Belle and Leia and Hart, my grandbabies. And um I don't want them to even think about breast cancer.
1: Mm -hmm. I hear that. Definitely. So my last question for you brings it all back to writing. I always like to tie it all back together. Can you tell us what role, if any, writing plays in your own survivorship these days? I know you're 10 years out from your diagnosis, but I also am 10 years out and know that the after effects are far reaching. So, does writing play
0: a role for you these days? Well, you know, I was an English major, so I've written my whole life, and um, I do write a lot. And everyone keeps telling me I should write a book. Of course, I would tell you that too. I'm sure, right? And you're doing that, but um, but I write, I write every day something, whether it's a list that I never check off or just my thoughts. And maybe because I'm getting older now, I write things down so I remember them. But I try to write every day, just just to to help me think about things. And, and often, when I have to give a talk, I'm terrible at reading speeches. Like I felt really uncomfortable reading my article. But but I write to think. Does that make sense? When I have to think through an argument, I write it out. Mm-hmm. Oh, it if, makes I wanna, if, sense. I wanna, if I want to, if I want to, if I want to like take a stand on something, I write out the argument so that I can speak it later. So it, I write to think if I really am struggling with something or trying to figure something out, I write it out. And one of the things I learned actually in my first job out of business school, I worked for the company that makes Tylenol McNeil and our boss made us, if you were trying to make a marketing argument, you had to write, write the argument from both sides. So write the pro argument and the con argument. So I will still do that. Now, if I'm struggling about a decision, I write the article, I mean, I write the argument from both sides to see which one is stronger.
1: Oh, I love that. It's so powerful, and you're really making me think of um, Joan Didion. famously said that she doesn't know what she thinks until she writes it down, and yeah. I, I re- resonate with that so much. And I also heard uh, Flannery O'Connor take it one step further, which is I don't know what I think till I write it down, and then read it to myself or read it aloud to myself. Mm. And yeah, there's just so much power in. Putting our thoughts down on paper in terms of that clarifying and like you said, seeing both sides of an argument or seeing what we actually think about a situation or a, a trauma that's happened to us or a decision we need to make.
0: Right. You have to put words around it. You have to put words around your thoughts to crystallize them, I think. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Well Ricky, thank you so much for all of this. Where you've already told us, of course, but tell us again, where can people find you and learn more about your work
0: online? Sure, well our our, our touch website is touchbbca.org and that's our, you know, we're talking about everything breast cancer and then our clinical trial website is whenwetrial.org and we just made a video gallery on whenwetrial.org that's so cool we've made now we've made about, oh my gosh, about six or eight, six, eight videos now of breasties talking about te- giving testimonials about trials and talking about their stories. And they're really, really powerful. I, I, I would, you know, please go to our website to whenwetrial.org and click at the video video gallery and watch some of these women and talk about their their stories and, with trials and how they they're saving their lives. It's really important. And we're going to keep adding that to it because I want black women to see women that look like them. And it's really for Breasties, by Breasties, about Breasties, with Breasties. So all the pronouns are we and we and us as opposed to you and they. Mm. So we really thought about every word on the website to make sure that people feel embraced and and loved on in this process.
1: Well, you just gave me goosebumps. So thank you so much for that. And I will definitely <laughs> be checking out those videos. I just think it's so powerful when we use our own stories to express how, um, how powerful something is or to motivate someone else to make change. So I think it's really smart of you guys to bring in those videos and personal stories. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for all you do for us. My pleasure. And thank you. So let me tell everyone where um, they can find your article so they can read it again. Today's guest was Ricky Fairley, and her piece was called When We Trial, a movement to advance breast cancer science for Black women. And you all will find that in the June July 2022 issue of Wildfire Magazine called Body. Thank you again so much, Ricky. I'm April Stearns and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn's a production of Wildfire Magazine where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Be sure to visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our now 39 issues in the Wildfire archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. There is no place on the planet like a Wildfire Writing Workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story, and don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. If you like what you hear, leave us a starred review to help others find their way to writing the stories that need to be told as well. All right, here is your writing prompt. As always, I want you to set your timer for eight minutes and plan to write without stopping or editing yourself. Lean into that magic of the timer. The prompt is, if you had a magic wand to wave over cancer land or specifically over breast cancer land, what would you change? If you could wave a magic wand, what would you change in the breast cancer landscape? Write for eight minutes, write without stopping, see what needs to come out and where it will take you. And don't forget, there are more writing prompts to be had in the free download I put together for you. It's a printable journal to help you begin to tell your stories. Grab yours at wildfirecommunity.org slash theburn. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time,
0: take good care.